0: Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church, Texas. today on marriage. And now, I just want to let you know, initially when I thought about teaching about marriage, and next Sunday is our, my wife and I, Jennifer, our 24th wedding anniversary is next Sunday, right? So we'll get to celebrate our, our marriage uh, anniversary with you all, So, but even being married for 24 years, which sounds like a long time until I find out that Ken and Trudy yesterday celebrated 51 years of marriage, that's awesome, awesome, they're our heroes fantastic. Can can anybody beat that? Anybody in here beat that? 51 years? Dwight, you got, can you guys beat 51 years? How many years you got, buddy? But only 24? Okay, man, goodness gracious. You're a late bloomer, huh? (laughs) I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. So let's, let's do this. Talking about marriage, honestly, I felt like I was maybe more qualified to tell you what not to do. In marriage, I thought maybe my title should be one of those flip titles like how to have a horrible marriage and I just tell you all the wrong ways to do it or something like that. But in my prayer time, and again, you know, Jennifer and I, and she's not here today so I can talk about her freely, um, but, but we both have very strong personalities. We both do. Uh, she was an only child. I was the baby boy. We both thought the world revolved around us. And we were both wrong, and that's just kind of part of our story. But we, our marriage has been wonderful and crazy all at the same time. We've been through lots of stuff in our marriage, from uh, death of a child to, to all, I mean, just crazy stuff. The family uh, d- disasters, and it's just been a, a wild ride for us. But as I was praying this week, the Lord really spoke to me. About marriage specifically and gave me an angle I've never seen before and I'm really excited about this angle and we're going to talk about marriage God's way today. Amen? Marriage God's way. Now I want to talk to you specifically, the the, the theme that I had in my heart is how to have an adorable marriage. An adorable marriage. Now, now, we're used to seeing this, right? When you see a young couple, you know, when Cassius and Brittany got married and I was there and they're dancing and Cassius was breaking it down on the dance floor and it's like they, they're, I mean, they're, they're hugging, they're all over each other. I mean, they're so cute, it's so adorable. You know, they can just looking at each other longingly. I remember, you know, when, when Jennifer and I were about to get married and I got some advice uh, from some people. Did you know that you can get bad advice from people about marriage? So, the first advice, now, as I, my previous career, I was a professional martial artist. And so, as a fighter, I was around a lot of wild folks. And one of my uh, competitors that I competed against, his girlfriend was the national trainer for waitresses at all of the Hooters in America. Now, you can believe I'm going to get good advice from that's quality advice coming from this lady, right? But her advice to me was this Joel, why are you getting married? I was 21. Why are you getting married? She says, why would you buy the cow if you can just drink the milk? And I looked at this sweet, sweet, innocent girl. And I said, well, number one, I'm not drinking the milk yet. Because we're doing this God's way. Right? And I can tell you, for any single folk in here, single ladies, don't give the milk away. Don't give the milk away. Milk don't buy you love. Right? Don't give it away. And for all you single men, nobody wants antique furniture. So quit going around antiquing it. (laughs) Nobody respects a thief. And if a husband is supposed to be the priest of a home, if a priest was a thief taking something that wasn't his, It's going to set you up for disaster. just giving you a couple practical things here today. So the next piece of advice I got was from a Vietnam vet. He grabs me. He was one of my martial arts students. He sat me down. He took me to lunch. He said, Joel, aren't you happy in life? Aren't you happy? I said, man, I'm totally happy. And he says, then why are you getting married? (laughs) If you're happy now, why are you getting married? And I mean, this come up. People will give you bad advice about marriage. And I began to explain how in love I was and, and this is the, the woman God's p- created for me and we're gonna be together forever. And well, he goes, well, fine, okay, fine. If I can't talk you out of it, can I just give you some advice? I said, okay, give me some advice. And so he gave me the best, one of the best piece of advice I've ever heard on marriage. He said, Joel, when it comes to, and this is an adult service and, and I'm be very uh, well-behaved right now. He says, when it comes to making love, now, next week, I am going to talk about sex, so check your kids in to uh, service, all right? And if you have teenagers, bring them in here because they need to learn about it here and not on YouTube, all right? So, see, the enemy, the enemy wants to own sex, but God created it, and it's for his people, and it's for marriage. So it's important that we understand the gift that it is. It's not the only thing we'll talk about next week, but next week, we're going to talk about how you can unravel the devil's plot to destroy your marriage, Okay, so we'll talk about that. But go back to my Vietnam vet guy that saved my marriage. He said, Joel, making love is like Chinese dinner. It's okay. He goes, it's not over until you both get a cookie. I'll let you sort that out. Let's you sort that out. But that was great advice. As a 21-year-old guy who's saving himself for marriage, it's important that you know that kind of thing. Then he told me the order in which cookies should be, you know, eaten. And, you know, it just... We're a spiritual church, not a religious church. Amen? God wants you to have a fun, happy marriage. So how can you have an adorable marriage? How can your marriage stay adorable? I do. I want to show you a couple pictures. And Jennifer doesn't know what I'm going to show you. And she's not here, so she can't stop me. But I'm going to show you a couple. This is. I'm going to walk you through... See, oh, isn't it cute, isn't it adorable? This is 21-year-old Joel and 23-year-old Jennifer. Don't tell her I told you this one. She's, she's 13 months older than me. So the next week on our uh, honeymoon, I turned 22, and she wasn't as embarrassed anymore. But this is pictures before our wedding. Go ahead and scroll through a couple of these. Oh, my gosh, how cute. Keep going a little bit here. This is, this is our rehearsal dinner. That's my Johnny Depp 21 Jump Street hair. Come on. Members only jacket, 1995, September 22nd, right? Okay, next one, there we go. This is my bride on our wedding uh, day. Isn't that gorgeous? Next one, this is us, our little cute wedding picture. And then this is the, this is the next day. This is when we came over to my parents' house uh, to open our gifts, and we were late because we overslept, right? That's why we were late. Now, this is important. This is Jennifer, and this fox right here is her mom. Okay, now, Single folk, you need to understand, there's a thing called the mom test. And just, she was good looking. But when I saw her mama, I'm like, oh yeah, this is gonna work out just fine. Because that showed me what she was gonna look like. This is a real thing, people. Come on, train your children. The mom test is important. All right, next one real quick. This is us going off on our honeymoon, right? Leaving for Cancun, and we didn't realize that there was a hurricane in Cancun. Wasn't that awesome? We spent our whole honeymoon in the middle of a hurricane, and this was the face of surprise beforehand. But come on, it's weddings, marriages, they start off adorable. But to me, there's nothing more adorable than Ken and Trudy. 51 years later, still crazy about each other, still in love. That's adorable. That's adorable. See, we have a misconception of what adorable means, and we're gonna walk through this. I'm gonna show you something that the Lord showed me this week uh, that helped me to understand part of what marriage is supposed to be, specifically God's way. Can I read a scripture to you? This is John chapter 15, verse 12. It says, this is my commandment. Jesus is speaking. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love Than to lay down one's life for his friends. Can I I tell you that love is not a feeling? Jennifer and I, in 24 years, we've always loved each other, but sometimes we didn't like each other. We've been through some tough stuff. We've always loved each other, but sometimes we didn't feel in love. Love is not a feeling, love is not an emotion. Love is actually a command that Jesus gave. Love is a decision that we make. See, the problem with a lot of marriages is that people are following feelings. And they're living out their relationship with their spouse based on their emotions. And feelings are deceitful, folks. Feelings are deceitful. Feelings will lie to you. Your emotions will lie to you. Your feelings and emotions are chemical, biochemical reactions inside of your body. Now, feelings are important, and we should care about the feelings of of other people. We should care about the feelings of our spouse, of our coworkers, of our employees, employers. We should care about feelings. But we don't live by our feelings, this whole thing of, hey, just follow your heart. No, don't follow your heart. Follow the voice of God. Don't follow your heart. Did you know there's a verse in the Bible that talks about your heart? Jeremiah seventeen nine says this. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how bad it is? This is the prophet Jeremiah speaking about the heart of mankind. You can't follow your heart and your feelings and your emotions because your emotions will lie to you. Your feelings will change. You can be in a good mood one minute and in a bad mood 30 seconds later. And all it was was an idiot driving wrong. And you're screaming out the window. No, not you all, right? Right? Holy folks, when you got married, you made vows and they had nothing to do with your feelings. You didn't say to have and to hold from now until I'm tired of you for better and for best, for richer and for super wealthy, for wholeness and health all the time, to love and to cherish until uh, I get rid of you and try to upgrade you for uh, another one. We didn't, that's not the vows we made. It's having to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to to love and to cherish until death do us part. That sounds kind of final, because it's supposed to be. And, And we live in an age where people throw away marriages, just throw them away. What about your children? I need to be happy. Man, forget you're happy. Happy is a feeling. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. Forget your feeling. It's about legacy. Come on, Jennifer and I have walked through hell in our marriage. Chronic sickness. She was in chronic pain for years. My gorgeous bride on a walker. Chronic pain, could barely get around. Pink tennis balls on it. You know it's bad when you, when, when you make them so mad they slam their walker down at you. And then, and then if they ever do, don't laugh. i would never seen a walker slam down before. It's, it was, it's comical, but I'm just telling you, just don't laugh if that happens. That was a bad day. Come on, we've been through some hell, guys. And we made it through hell. And we're more in love than we've ever been. We're more attracted to each other than we've ever been. Because love is a decision, not a feeling. It's not about you're happy. See, one of the greatest moments in my... This, this, I'm, I'm telling you this just because I'm a transparent... I, just, I don't know how else to just be real, all right? But, but there was a time where I was happy in every part of my life, except my marriage... Because it's hard to be happy when you have a very sick wife who was not happy. And we've all heard if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? We've heard that. And it's hard to be happy when you live in a house with someone who's just in so much pain on the inside and the outside that they don't even know if they want to keep on living anymore because they're in so much physical pain. I've never had to live in chronic pain like that. There's no way for me to have, to, to have a connection to understand what she was dealing with. But I literally, in my prayer life, and I don't tell you this to brag. I tell you this to to, to help you understand the place of brokenness that I came to. That in my prayer life, I said, Father, if this is my cross to bear, that that she's going to be unhappy and miserable and sick for the rest of our marriage, and that's my cross to bear, I'll bear it with honor. Because I want my daughters to know a father that loved their mother. I want them to have that picture of love in their heart. And it wasn't about my happiness. And can I tell you that within a month of that prayer, Jennifer's health took a turn, and she's been on an upward road ever since. It's been a miracle. It's a miracle. Absolute healing miracle. But I want you to understand that for me, in my heart, I had to come to the place where no matter what, in sickness and in hell till death do us part. It's not about my happy. It's about the legacy that I leave. It's about me being Christ-like to my wife. And that's hard, guys. It's hard. It's not easy being Christ-like. In fact, it feels impossible at times. Love is an action. Not a feeling. Love isn't something you just talk about. It's not something you just say. You can say I love you with your mouth and I hate you with your actions. If your love doesn't have action, it's not real. guys are quiet today. This must be serious. (laughs) Active love actually produces feelings. Did you know that? You've probably heard it said. You, you, You don't feel your way into an action. You act your way into a feeling. Tebra gets up every morning at 4.30 and goes to the gym. 4? She's a psycho. <laughs> 4 a.m. and goes to the gym. Do you feel like getting up at 4 in the morning? Do you ever feel like working out at 4 in the morning? No. But then you put those little pictures out of your little fitness club and you feel good at uh, flexing afterwards. Oh, my god, fitness buddies. She feels good afterwards. She acted her way into a feeling We need to figure out what love means and what love is to our spouse and act that way no matter how we feel. If this is what love looks like to my wife, then that's how I need to act no matter how I feel. See, if you're waiting on your spouse to deserve it first, it'll never happen. Because real love isn't based on behavior. My kids' behavior has no bearing on my love for them. But we withhold, uh, look out. We sometimes withhold certain things that we know our spouse needs because we don't like their behavior. And that's sin. That's not love. That's the opposite of love. Love is when you treat your spouse, you treat your family, you treat your employees, you treat your boss yeah. the way you should treat them to speak value into their lives with zero bearing on how they behave. That's, right. That's called unconditional love. That's called God's kind of love. Right? Is this too heavy? No, it's good. When you were dating... You felt attraction first, not love. It was love at first sight. No, it wasn't. It was attraction. I remember the first time I saw Jennifer walking through the church. I saw her, those blue eyes. Pow. I'm like, oh my God, that girl. She came into the wrong church today. Next time I saw her, oh my gosh, she's gonna lie like this. The next time I saw her, she was on a date with a guy I knew. So I went up to talk to him to meet her. I didn't see no rings on them fingers. <laughs> <laughs> literally went up to talk, and I, I was running a little Bible study, a college Bible study, and I had like these three little girls that had come to this event from my little high school girls. I was in college in and 19, and, and, and so I literally go to talk to Stefan. Just to meet this girl that I saw at church the, the, the Sunday before. And, and literally, I hey man, how you doing? Hi, I'm Joel. Just like that. And we, we talked for 45 minutes in front of this dude. I'm talking like tractor beams. Right? 45 minutes in front of this dude. They were volunteering at a church event in Tulsa, Oklahoma. At Camp Dry Gulch. That's why I tell the joke. I met my wife at Camp Dry Gulch. We did meet at Camp Dry Gulch, right? That's where we actually met, but she wasn't a counselor and I wasn't a camper. That's just part of the funny joke. She was on a date and I used my friendship with somebody else to meet the girl he was dating. And so the next day, because I'm a good friend, I went and volunteered at Camp Dry Gulch thinking she might volunteer again, and she did. And then somehow we ended up working a hot chocolate booth together. Don't know how that happened. And she was a hairstylist. And the next day she cut my hair and we were best buddy. I mean, we were, it was like this, right? But it was attraction, not love. We didn't know each other. We just met. She could have been a psycho. I didn't know yet. She wasn't. She was awesome. We became best friends. I brought her home. My dad said later on, years later, he said from the first time he saw her, he knew that she was the one. It's amazing. But but love is not a feeling, and it wasn't love at first sight. Love is something that grows, and it grows because you behave in a certain way. You behave in a certain way, you treat someone a certain way, they treat you a certain way, and love grows. And then, as your marriage goes on, the biggest problem that we can have is we stop doing what we did when we fell in love, and we take each other for granted. And we stop looking pretty for each other, and we stop whatever, we stop getting flowers, we stop doing the little bitty things that say, I love you. Can I tell you, gentlemen, can I just tell you anything your wife wants to do to look pretty, pay for it? Bingo. Pay for it. No questions asked. You might have to budget it, figure it out, mortgage a child, pay for it. Mommy makeovers, pay for it. Why? It's an investment in your future happiness. <laughs> if mama feels pretty, it's going be be- to be better for you, right? Just trying to tell you some practical stuff. I don't know if that's in the Bible, but it's in the book of Joel today, right? <laughs> Just pay for it. Whatever makes your husband feel loved, do it. Forget your headache. (laughs) Make him feel loved. Make him feel admired. We're going to go into this real deep next week. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff next week. You got to come back, bring your checkbook. (laughs) Uh, If you want to have an adorable marriage, you have to adore your spouse. Well, you don't know how he is at home, Joel. Doesn't matter. You want an adorable marriage? You you, you wanna be adorable 51 years from now? You have to make a decision. I'm going to adore my spouse. Well, you didn't see how he acted. You didn't see what she said to me. You didn't see, it doesn't matter. It's not about behaviors. It's about a position they hold in your life. And if you'll treat them according to the position they hold, You'll see the behavior you desire in the future. Adoration's not a feeling. What if I told you that the Bible literally gave you a recipe for how to have an adorable marriage? See, the problem is we think adorable means cute. We have a complete, you don't even know what the word adorable means. Don't Google it, I'm going to tell you in a minute. Let me read you a Bible verse Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 this is the most powerful verse in all of the Bible for how to have an adorable marriage for how to keep love alive it says in verse 21 and further submit to one another will somebody say that submit to one another that kind of sounds like both doesn't it not one-sided because this passage has been taken and made to be all one-sided on one level Because it talks about submission. But it starts with submit to one another. There are times that I need to submit to my wife. Because she's in her authority. There are times that she needs to submit to me because I'm in my authority. And if we can learn to submit to each other, we can have incredible harmony. Watch this. Submit. To one another out of reverence for Christ. It's not even about you. It's not even about her. It's about Christ. You submit because of who Christ is in your life. Now watch. For wives this means submit to your husband as to the Lord. As if he was Jesus himself. Well he ain't Jesus. Treat him like it anyway. For a husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. So here's the picture. This is why marriage is so important. Marriage is so important because a marriage is the picture of Jesus and his church. It's the picture to the world. One of the most destructive things for the gospel is Christians getting divorced. Look, if you had a divorce, no, no judgment. That's in the past. But in your present right now, Be Christ to the world. And that means you die to your feelings, to your emotions, to what you want on certain levels because you're submitting to Christ. You're submitting to one another as unto Christ. Submit to your husband as unto the Lord, for a husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He, Christ, is the Savior of his body, the church, and the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Okay? We good so far? All right, now here's where it gets really hard. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. He died for her. Husbands, congratulations. Your job is to die. Her job is to submit, and your job is to die. Told you it was about to get worse. Watch. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. To make her holy and clean. You don't like her behavior? Die. But someone's got to tell her, Die. You know, the best times in my marriage have been when I prayed and let Jesus tell her. Saying. (laughs) To make her holy and clean, watched, washed by the cleansing of God's word. You can cleanse your wife with God's word. We need to start speaking God's word over our spouses instead of speaking what we feel over our spouses. There's a time in our marriage, and Jen and I were in a pretty good little spat, and and she said something to me, and I was really tempted to say something back to her, but instead, I just, I don't know, I was Feeling frisky or something, I said, I'm so grateful for you. You're such a godly woman, and I am so grateful for your behavior and your character and your your holiness and all this. She's like, she literally cocked her. You ever seen like a puppy that goes, cocked her head? (laughs) She goes, Are you speaking faith over me right now? (laughs) I'm like, Yeah, I guess I am. And she laughed, and we quit fighting. Just give it a whirl. washing her with the cleansing of God's words. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Come on, praise the Lord. No spots and no wrinkles. That'll preach right there. I did even see that in, the, in God's word. I'm gonna pray against spots and wrinkles from now on. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. Watch this. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. When you love her, you're loving yourself because God made you one. It's your body. No one hates his body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for his church and we are members of his body, Jesus. And as the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined with his wife and the two are united into one, one flesh. And this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. When I looked up the word adore, the Lord just gave me this word out of nowhere. In fact, I was in the middle of going back and forth in my head of how unqualified I was to teach anybody how to have a good marriage. Because I'm just a real guy. I'm just a real dude, guys. I mess up all the time. I put my foot in my mouth. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an aggressive guy. I'm a fighter. And, and that's just my personality. And that doesn't mean it's good. It means I got some personality flaws. And in my spirit, the word dropped, a door. A door man, what's that? I went and looked it up. The word adore literally means to love and respect. It's the definition of the word adore. You want to have an adorable marriage? Love and respect. The state of adoration is the state of giving. It's the state of giving love and respect. Adorable is the adoration ability to give and receive love and respect love and respect is the answer for all of it guys it's the answer for all of it and honestly it's a both thing even though this passage gives and it speaks to specific needs a a specific need in a wife in a female to feel loved and protected and cared for and provided for it's a it's a it's an innate need of how God made women And I know it could sound like a generalization because some women are like, I don't need that, I don't need. Listen, when when I first met Jennifer, her mom went to UT, all right? This is from a liberal background. Jennifer would not let me open doors for her. She's like, I don't need a man to open my doors. And then about 10 years later, we came up to a door and she stopped and stood there. I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Waiting, for what? (laughs) She'd never let me open a door. All of a sudden, she changed her mind. That's a whole nother message I could preach about anyway. I'm gonna move on. <laughs> the wives are like the Holy Spirit, right? And the Spirit is blown by the wind and you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. It's just the Holy Spirit side. It's, it's, it's gotta follow the Spirit. And those who are called sons of God are led by the Spirit. That should help some husband know how to act right there. Be led by your Holy Spirit wife. Adore means to love and respect. And it really goes both ways. You can't can't say you love your wife without showing her respect. Without showing her respect for the position she holds in your life. And and you can't can't show your husband respect and honor without actually showing him love too. They're they're both interworking, interchangeable. Let me give you something really uh, cool that I found this week. Proverbs 18:20 most of you have heard this verse it says from the fruit of their mouth a person's stomach is filled with the harvest of their lips they are satisfied the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit and watch this never seen this before and he who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the lord i didn't know that a husband and a wife relationship was connected to a verse about you being filled with the produce of the words that come out of your mouth. Life and death and the power of your tongue. And the very next thing the Holy Spirit says in this passage is, and whoever finds a wife finds a good thing. Is it possible that your marriage is like a garden? And the seeds that you sow into that garden determine the food that your soul will eat in the future? What if we saw our spouse, as a garden that we're investing seeds of love, seeds of respect, knowing the principle of sowing and reaping, and that by us sowing those seeds with our mouth, with our words, guys, our words are one of the greatest weapons we can use against our spouses. No one can push your spouse's buttons like you. You know how to say just the right thing, boop, self-destruct button right there, nuclear. Nuclear. We've got to sow seeds with our words. Plant in the garden of your spouse that will produce the food that you'll fill yourself on the fruit in the future. You can have an adorable marriage. I'm going to pray over you today and, and I want to specifically pray for marriages. Um, Jennifer and I are always in, in uh, I, I want to say always, but, but we, we work on our marriage. You, you, you have to invest in your marriage. We got a great class we're doing right now called Becoming One. It's our marriage ministry class. Cheryl wrote the book on it, and in and in, in, is allowing our, our church to teach and train with it. And Jen and I are going through the program just privately because we want to invest in our marriage. We want to have a great marriage, right? We we want our kids to see happy and holy and fun and friend. We want a, we want a great marriage. And you got to keep investing in it. Read books, do studies together, invest in it. It's important. It's important. But you may be here today. In fact, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have everyone just close your eyes because I want you to have a private moment. And I I want you, if you're here with your spouse, I want you to, I just want you to hold hands with your spouse. You, You may be in crisis right now. You may not even feel like holding your spouse's hand. Sometimes the biggest fights that we get in are the ones on the way to church because the enemy has a plot against your marriage. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to tear apart their future. He wants to tear apart their faith. He wants to ruin the lineage that God wants to create in your lives and he's gonna attack you like nobody's business. And you're holding hands with your spouse right now. Nobody's looking around. In fact, I'm not even looking. My eyes are closed too. If your marriage has been under attack, no one's looking at all. This is just between you and Jesus. And you want Jesus to do a miracle in your marriage. You want Jesus to intervene in your marriage. If your marriage needs help, maybe it's not that severe, but your marriage needs some help. You're not hitting on all cylinders. Would you be bold enough? Just only Jesus is looking right now. Would you just, you and your spouse just hold your hand up. Nobody in this room is gonna look. This is between you and Jesus, it's a private moment. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. Just hold it up before the Lord. Nobody's looking. I'm not looking at all. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see these hands. You see this moment of humility, this moment of sacrifice, moment of honesty, two people that you have made one, You've made them one, Father. And the enemy has a plot to destroy them. And right now we stand with them as a church and we align our faith and our prayers. Come on, every saint in this place, start praying. Right now, just begin to pray in your prayer language. Pray in in your understanding. Pray right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we come against the demonic attack on the marriages of Oaks Church. We come against the, the devourer. Your word says that you will rebuke the devourer on our behalf. The Lord rebukes you. Satan, you cannot have Oaks Church marriages. You cannot divide our families. You cannot win in this battle. We have the victory and we will be unified and we will stand. Father, help each and every one of us to humble ourselves and pray. And Father, as we do, turn the hearts of our spouses towards one another. In the name of Jesus, turn the hearts of our children toward one another. Turn our nation, Father, as the as, as our families go, as our marriages go, so our church goes and so our future goes father do miracles right now and show the individuals in these marriages what they can change not change about their spouse what they can change For their spouse, how they can change their speech, how they can change their actions, how they can change their behaviors, how they can change their words so that they will show more love and respect. Help them to adore their spouse. Father, right now I ask you to do a miracle surgery in the hearts of these couples. Father, remove... Years of resentment right now, removed by the Holy Spirit, surgically removed, a miracle happening in your marriage. It's still gonna take work. You're still gonna have to actively love, actively respect, but the Lord right now is removing resentment, anger, even hatred, unforgiveness, things in the past. Father, work miracles right now, creative miracles. Restore, Father, restore love, restore adoration. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we wanna invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.